0: I think it's a, a thing that every recruiter has. It's a thought, right? It's this kind of like, why is this so hard? <laughs> I think every recruiter knows that when they go and they go to that candidate and they go, I have a job offer for you. That They're giving you a gift. They're, recruiters know that they're giving you something. They're giving that candidate something amazing. It's a, a whole new opportunity, a whole new life, a whole new whatever it is. They're giving a gift. And they're just absolutely flabbergasted when someone says no. It's like if someone says, hey, do you want 20 bucks? And you're like, no, I'm good. No, of course you want 20 bucks. Everyone wants 20 bucks, right? It's it's, it's a gift. It's 20 bucks. Why wouldn't you want that thing? And I think that's the trick is that I don't think recruiters quite realize or remember or you know, in the the middle of the job, they forget that there's something, a poison heart to the middle of that process. Even if you're giving a gift, there's still, even if I went up to a stranger and said, here's 20 bucks, there's still plenty of people who would say, no, it's the uncertainty that kills what's going on. And that's what we're going to talk about. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the podcast dedicated to helping you get smarter at recruiting and hiring. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of employer brand and modern recruiting so that you, yes, you, can hire better talent. Isn't that what we're all trying to do? I'm your host, James Ellis, and you can find me on Twitter at The War for Talent. That's at The War for Talent. Or on the Talent Cast website. Got a question? Got a topic? Got an idea? Tweet me. I'd love to hear from you. Ready to roll up your sleeves and think big? Great. Let's get to it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Um, Hopefully, I'm... I think last episode I got some technical audio detail. Things were a little too loud. I apologize. I didn't mean to deafen anybody if that's a problem. Hopefully, we can get that fixed today. Uh, Housekeeping, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be at... Uh, uh, ERE next year, so definitely going to be tune in for that. That's in April. I'm going to be at the Talent Summit um, in Houston in October, and doing another one for TMA in January. I'll put make sure to put details in the show notes. Anything else going on? Nope, nothing really going on. Um, I've been named a board member of the Talent Brand Alliance, so I get to do a lot of engagement. So if you are interested in this whole employer brand kind of thing, and you're a practitioner, definitely go find the uh, Talent Brands Alliance Facebook page and apply. Uh, Make sure to put your LinkedIn address so we know when we can validate who you are and make sure that you're a practitioner, blah, blah, blah. Anything else, anything else? Nope, that's all I got. So let's talk about uncertainty. I think I've I've, I've mentioned this before, I think I've talked a bit about this before, but if I haven't, um, I want you to go outside and I want you to get a stack of $20 bills and I want you to go outside and I want you to find some strangers, people you do not know. And I want you to walk up to them and hand them what is clearly a $20 bill. If you're in uh, Europe or you're in Asia or you're some other place, whatever the equivalent is, a good bit of money, something that you would pay for dinner at the very least, right? And hand it to them and say, would you like these $20? Would you like this $20 bill? It's free. There's no strings. Would you like this? You're going to be surprised how many people you have to convince, (laughs) right? This is legitimate currency. It's good for all uh, debts, public and private. It is money. It is cash. It is not fictitious. It's not fictional. It is real cash, and you will be stunned by how many people say no thanks or give you a funny look and just keep walking. Why is that? If you're giving someone a gift, it's because— and they say no, it's because it's uncertain. They don't know who you are. They don't know what the gag is. This seems too good to be true. This seems Something seems wrong about this whole thing, that someone would just walk up to you and say, here's 20 bucks. That seems strange. And the uncertainty becomes the poison pill that keeps them from saying thanks and taking the $20. Why do I bring this up? Well, the intro should have spelled it out for you. If we're giving people jobs, isn't that what they're asking for? Isn't that what they applied for? Isn't that what they went through that entire interview process for is to get this job? And here we are offering it to them, saying here's the salary, here's the benefits, here you go. Let's, let's you know cross all the T's and dot all the I's. Here we are, say yes. And some of them say no. In fact, in some industries, quite a be- few of them say no. I know plenty of people or plenty of places where more people say no than say yes. And that's got to feel weird as a recruiter. I'm giving you a job, why would you say no to this? I'm giving you $20, why would you say no to this? And it's the uncertainty, it's the uncertainty. Imagine yourself, you're happy in your job, and I imagine many of you are, and you decide for whatever reason to apply for a job across the street. This is a company that you know enough about, you've heard a lot about, the commute's gonna be the same, you're gonna have lunch in the same places, you're gonna run into the same people, you're gonna get your coffee from the same place. You've eliminated as much of that uncertainty as you can. It's still a question. It's still changing your life. Even if it is just moving across the street, it's the same thing as, like, you know, moving apartments or moving houses yes that's maybe a bigger place but you don't know what the problems are better the devil you know right than the devil you don't you've already figured out how this job works you've already figured out how this boss works you've already figured out where the best coffee is you've already figured out what the rules are the unspoken rules to this company you've already figured out that hey you can take as much time off as you want so long as you don't take every monday off at which point they start to ask questions you've already figured out that you know that your boss prefers email in the morning and prefers phone calls or conversations face to face in the middle of the day or later that you know you know what the expectations for your role is you know what success is you know how they're measuring success you know the likelihood of getting promoted or getting a bonus you know all the unspoken stuff that no one will ever talk about in the interview so that's why you don't choose, you don't take a jump, you don't take what might be a great job or a great opportunity, is because there is such a level of uncertainty that you say no. Now, it's not just at the offer process that uncertainty kills, that uncertainty destroys these offers and destroys these opportunities. It is every step along the entire recruiting process. Uncertainty is the thing that makes everybody just stop. Imagine if uh, you're driving around in a car and maybe your phone's dead and you've got a paper map. And you're driving around and you don't know this area. Maybe it's a different country. Maybe they speak whatever language you speak. Presumably it's English if you're listening to me. But maybe it's a whatever different language or every different country. But it's not your home base. It's not a place you know very well. Imagine me in London driving around. And let's be fair, those roads are a couple hundred years old, if not older. They're driving on the wrong side of the road cars are going you know i don't understand the makes and models of the cars um the signs are different looking the the language you know sometimes there's some letter combinations and i'm like what i've never seen that before imagine i go to scotland they speak english there i think <laughs> but it's not clear to me because i'm in the middle of driving around i'm trying to get to someplace and i don't know I to get lost what do you do do you just keep driving and random make lefts to rights? Do you just keep going? Do you just keep saying, well, I'm sure I'll figure it out eventually when you know that there's a good chance that you're going the absolute wrong wrong direction and each mile you drive is a mile farther and farther away from the place you need to be? Or do you stop, pull the car over on whatever side of the road you're supposed to pull the car over and you pull up the map and stare at it? Uncertainty is the thing that made you literally stop the car. You stop the entire process, nothing moves forward, because you are uncertain. If a salesperson is talking to somebody and they've got somebody interested, kinda of, sorta, of, but that, that prospect is uncertain as to what step to take next, that deal's dead. That prospect didn't say no, at which point a salesperson has lots of different techniques and processes and, and tools at their disposal to try and find a way to overcome those objections, but uncertainty is, is is a quagmire it's a swamp from which it's very hard to come from It's to, to pull out uncertainty stops everything dead and until everybody is certain what to do next nothing gets done flip it flip it around think about you have a candidate who comes in let's call it a vp level candidate an executive level candidate and they've met um, everybody in your company at this point, right? Right. For this is one of those jobs where everybody gets a shot at pulling a full on dog and pony show and gets a shot at talking to this person and gets 15 or 30 minutes with the candidate and gets to ask questions. And you have run this candidate through the ringer. They have had enough talking. They have had a million phone calls. They may have had an assessment or personality assessment or a behavioral assessment. They have had a million conversations with people all throughout the office. And you get to the debrief, and someone's uncertain. Someone just says, raises their hand and says, you know what, I'm just not certain this is the right person for the job. What happens then? Well, chances are, another round of interviews. We got to keep finding a way to keep moving this thing forward. Uncertainty stops the process. Everybody else might have been interested in saying yes or interested in saying no. But if someone says, I'm uncertain, it stops the entire conversation. It's another round of interviews. It's another round of conversations. Uncertainty is what's killing recruiting for everyone. Uh, and to that end, I wanted to spend a little time thinking about what are all the ways, or not, maybe not all the ways, I don't think I'm I'm, I'm a genius to say here every single way we can kill uncertainty or that we should lower uncertainty, but I think there's certainly some obvious ways we can lower uncertainty, right? There's a couple obvious ways. In fact, there's a lot of obvious ways. It's just that When we look at them individually and we don't see them under this umbrella of how are we lowering the uncertainty to keep the conversation moving in the right direction, it's easy to get distracted, it's easy to quibble, it's easy to lose focus on each of these individual ideas. Remember, we're trying to lower uncertainty for everyone, whether they're a candidate you're trying to reach out to, whether they're a a candidate that's been through the entire interview process and you're about to give an offer or you have given an offer and they're uncertain what to do next. Uncertainty is the problem. We should be rooting it out like it's it's a cancer. Truly, it is a cancer in the entire process. We should be removing it as much as humanly possible. Here's a couple of ways. So far so good? Fantastic. But if you can't get enough of this stuff, I have some news. You can bring the James Ellis experience to your event or company. Just go to jamesellis.us and learn about all the kinds of custom presentations I can build and deliver for you or your team. But if it's time to get some hands-on help with your employer branding, recruiting, and hiring, either from the ground up or some strategic support, I would love to help. Just reach out to Proactive Talent or ProactiveTalent.com. That's where I work, and we can help you hire better. Cool? Cool. All right, let's get back to it. First off. And I know Google wants you to do this, and you can guess by just by having said that, you, many of you can guess what I'm about to say. Go ahead and put the salary band on your job posting. Go ahead. Glassdoor will tell you, and you know, like I said, I've had, I have friends there, uh, will tell you that we are not more than a couple years away from every job description having a salary band on it. And once you do that, once most people do it, it's completely safe for everyone to do it, right? It's one of those things where uh, once everybody, once almost everybody has a tattoo, nobody's really worried about having tattoos. Once everybody has a picture of them being stupid on Facebook, well, no one's really worried about having a picture of them being stupid on Facebook. Once most people have their, salaries on their uh, salary bands on their jobs, pretty much everybody's going to be comfortable. The value is... It's very easy for me to title whatever job we're talking about, whatever I want to call it. If I want to call that entry level job an account executive, and frankly, I've worked in a place where the entry level job was called account executive, my favorite example of uh, job title inflation ever, these are entry level people. These are people who barely got out of college, right? These are not executives in any way, shape, or form that you and I would refer to them as executives. But we gave them a title. We called them a town executive. Now, if you don't know that's the structure for how that company titles things, you might say, well, gosh, I have 15 years experience and I've run teams before. I'm an account executive. And you're going to apply for the job and they're not even going to call you, let alone, even. you'll be lucky if you get that email that says, thanks, but no thanks. Why? Because you were way overqualified for this job. The uncertainty is the set, is the title. What does that title really mean to you? If I call myself a developer, am I a developer one or a developer five? If I have one year experience, ten years experience, twenty years experience. Did I write my own compiler? What level are we talking about? And we try to throw these numbers on. I know places like Google and Amazon have an incredibly complicated matrix of how they're defining that. But if I don't have that matrix in front of me, I don't know what an L52 means. I don't know what a P3 means. I don't know what an M3 means. And the fastest way to get everybody on the exact same page is called money. If this is a job that pays $35,000 a year, yeah, when you say executive, I know exactly what you mean. You're saying this job pays $180,000 a year. Oh, that's a very different perception of the word executive. If this job pays $250,000 a year, and you're looking for a developer, this is not entry level. I get it. I get it. I understand what this job is. And it's a very quick and a fast take to lowering the uncertainty. I don't know. I know exactly, maybe not exactly, but I certainly know a lot more about the job I'm applying for. So throw that salary on there, folks. Do it. Two, I, uh, and I'm not going to name names. It's not the last job I worked for, so there's that. Um, I once tried to put a job want ad out. Want ad? What year is this? I just said want ad. A job posting out. And I wanted to say, look, the best, most important part about knowing what the job is, is knowing who your boss is going to be. Here's my LinkedIn, LinkedIn account. Here's my LinkedIn address. And HR for that company said, can't do that. I said, why? He goes, well, we can't do that. And never got a good answer for it. But truly, every, well, you know, what's that joke? People join companies, but they leave bosses. Who your boss is, who your new boss is in that 30 minutes you've got a chance to spend with him in that interview loop is crucial to whether or not you're going to be successful. And frankly, if I can at least get take a look at your LinkedIn account ahead of time and maybe read the recommendations and maybe read where you've worked and maybe read what you're all about, maybe you've written something and linked to it, I can do a good deep dive on you. I, I can get a sense of who you are. I can get a sense of are you going to be made mental by what I do or are we going to be best friends and find a great way to work together? Why wouldn't you share the hiring manager or the, or the LinkedIn account on the job description? Well, the answer is... Honestly, and I don't agree with this, is that what if you quit halfway through the job search process and you're assigned? And I say, that is a goofy answer and not worth – look, everything changes all the time. If we stopped doing anything interesting or valuable because something might change in the future, we might as well all just go home, right? So go ahead and start to think about for a lot of your jobs, start to throw the LinkedIn profile of that boss, of that hiring manager, of that supervisor right on the job description. I think people will be so stunned that you're sharing that information, they will, you will find far more and far better people willing to apply than any danger might happen from it. All right. Um, here's another one. Same kind of thing. Throw everybody on the team. Throw all their LinkedIn. Right. You're gonna meet them eventually. You're gonna want to know who they are and what they're all about. And if they all If you look at them all, if there's five people on this team and you look at all five of them, they all seem to have the same profile and they all have the same experience and you all have the same, you get a sense of, okay, this is what this company values and this is what this team values. It's an immediate way for you to measure yourself and, and, and level set things. You're gonna know a lot more about that job than you do before you apply. So go ahead and throw that information out there. Let them know. And no one expects it to be permanent. It's a job posting, it's a marketing ad. It's not an HR document, it's not a legal document. It's simply a matter of, this is these are some of the people who you might be working with. Put that information out there. Um, you know stuff, stupid stuff. Virtual office tours. It doesn't take any money at all to take your camera and walk through the office and talk. Go get yourself a sixty dollar mic off of Amazon and do a walk and talk. Show everybody where the coffee is. Show everybody where the copier is. Show everybody this is what the space is like. This is what the roof deck is like. This is what the entryway is like. This is what we're like. This is what the space is like. Show it off. Don't let that, that walkthrough be 90%, oh, look at that stuff, and let it be 90%, let me tell you about all the stuff that's going on. If you can give them all the information they would get on an office tour virtually, one, you're going to attract more people because they're going to know that you're not sh- hiding anything, which I think is a huge thing, remember, we're lowering uncertainty. You're also going to give more time to more useful information sharing at the interview, at the office tour. Okay. Here's one I've definitely talked about, but I love to talk about it. So here we go. Every single job you post should have a section called why you'll hate this job. Every job is imperfect. No one loves their ever 100% of their job. No matter what your job is, you hate the paperwork. You hate uh the travel. You hate you love the travel but you hate having to show up at the office at 9:30 every day. Whatever the thing is, there's a thing that you're like, look, if you're the kind of person who loves X, you're probably the person who's going to hate Y. And here's here's where it is. Job descriptions are marketing tools. Yes, but that doesn't mean they should be 100% pure spin, 100% pure fluff. This is why it's always amazing all the time. No one believes that. No one believes that. And if you're unwilling to open the kimono a bit and say, here's some of the stuff that you might not like, but frankly, every company is like this, every company has what you don't like, you are going to be perceived as far more credible and far more authentic. And people are going to say, I have less uncertainty about applying. And remember, we're trying to lower the uncertainty. Here's another one. Look, people are going to go straight from your job descriptions to Glassdoor. They are. You know it. Glassdoor knows it. Glassdoor boasts about it. They'd love to talk about it. They love to tell you about how many people show up to your site and validate what you're saying on their site to look at reviews. Why not just point them there? Why not just pick a couple of good reviews and say these are the kinds of people we love and these are the people who really are successful here? And then be willing to talk about the stuff that's negative, to talk about the stuff that people don't love. If you are pointing people to Glassdoor, you have a huge opportunity to reframe The negative stuff that, let's be fair, is on every site. Pick whatever you think the most amazing company to work for is. Go dive in. Somebody dropped a two-star review. Somebody dropped a two-star review on them. And it doesn't matter if they quit. It doesn't matter if they were fired. Somebody wasn't a good fit and said something negative. That's life. That's life. So if you can't handle having that, your best bet is to try and reframe it. Hey, this part, the, some of these negative reviews talk about X, and the truth is, we know it's a problem. We're fixing it. Or the certain kind of people really have a problem. Here's a great one, and this is one I've seen before. There's too much change at this company. That's like an over overarching concern and reason why people give you two and three star reviews. There's too much change. It's hard to keep up. Understandable. That sounds like a bad thing. Every, nothing ever stays the same. Got it. But the truth is there are plenty of people who go, great, I won't be bored. Great, there's lots of opportunity to move up. Great, there's lots of opportunity to take over and take new uh, tasks on, take new responsibilities on. Great. Just as many people go, that's a terrifying thing, as say that's an amazing thing. All the people who say that's a terrifying thing, they should know up front, there's a lot of change in this job and they should self-select out. There are many, many, many jobs in which they will be far happier than your company where things change all the time. And there are people for whom this is, I am bored all the time at my company because I work at a, I don't know, a bank or something and it gets boring and I, don't, I need more change, I need more challenge. This is exactly the kind of place you want to be. Having a place where you say, look, when they say negative things about on Glassdoor, this is what they're talking about. Own it, again. Focus on your credibility lowers the uncertainty. Okay, last one. This is a little bigger, and I don't mind because I'm going to talk about a bit, a bit about this. When we talk about employer brand, and Lord knows I talk about it plenty, um, we've talked about this idea that. If my employer brand is all about pioneering, and again, I go to the Amazon example, like it's a well from which I am drawing life-sustaining water. If we say that your, our employer brand is, is We Pioneer, those are very nice, pretty words. They cause me to think positive things. Is there an edge to them? Is there a, an end to which they will say, we are no longer pioneering, or that's, that's as far as we will go. Will they pioneer a holistic organizational structure like uh, Zappos did? Maybe not. Maybe that's their limit. Will they be willing to pioneer completely transparent salary bans? Maybe that's their limit. Even No matter how powerful a brand is, there's a limit to what you do. And especially if you've got an employer brand for whom there's multiple values or multiple pillars around, sometimes those values and pillars can get contradictory. For example, you value respect, but you also value performance. Great. So you've got someone who is performing at a very high level and is sometimes a jerk. Now, which value do you adhere to, performance or respect? Tell me, because the answer, there's no right answer to this. Whatever your answer to it says that value respect or value performance is more important. That is the edge to which you will go, right? Uh, We value performance, but not so much as we allow jerks. We value respect, but not so much as it kills performance. Great. You've defined an edge. Because their companies, you know, you take a Nordstrom, super famous for their customer service. They would literally do anything to make a company, company, or I'm sorry, a customer happy. Great. And they would tell all these amazing stories about how they would go to the ends of the earth to make their customers happy. They would accept returns for products that were literally never sold in their company or in their stores. They would uh, bend over backwards. They would make deliveries at off hours. They would do all these crazy things for their customers because that was their value customer service and by telling a story about how far they take that they're saying whatever you think every company says yeah they love customers every customer says every company says we have great customer service oh yeah are you taking and accepting returns from materials that you do not sell are you making deliveries on a sunday night because a customer needed it are you making tailoring and altering uh dresses last minute because a customer demanded it? How far are you willing to take it? What is the edge of that value? What is the edge of that employer brand? And defining edge is really defining the brand. Saying that your brand is all about innovation is great up until blank, up until something happens, up until the company says, well, that's a really expensive piece of innovation. Great, you said you care about innovation within limits. And here is a limit someone figured out a dollar sign that piece of computer that piece of hardware that laser beam i don't know was too expensive great you're all about innovation and latest tech and the latest tools to a limit (laughs) here you can take it so far right that's it's good to know what the limit is because the limit says I've thought this through. I didn't just pick a word out of the dictionary and says, oh, that's cool. Customers, we love customers. Yeah, sure, customers, that's our value. Great, that's our employer brand. Customers, yay. You mean it. You live it. You are that thing. It is everything of who you are. It, it is woven to every piece of what you do. People are fired for not caring about customers enough. That is what it means to be customer-centric, if you use the Nordstrom yardstick, so to speak or a metric stick depending where you're from. That's what it means to have an employer brand. It's not just to say nice things, it, but it's to define the shape and say in this space, we are king. This is what matters more than anything else in the world. This is what we're all about. We're all about work-life balance. And we, you know, you use the SAS example where the, everybody has to be home by 5.30 and they have a gym on site and childcare on site and healthcare on site and they really care about work-life balance. They spend money for work-life balance. They sacrifice bottom line profits for work-life balance. They're willing to go that far. Is your company going to say they they value work-life balance? Of course, almost everybody does. Do they have health care on site? Probably not, unless you're a hospital. That's unlikely. So it's good to know, Okay, yeah, sure, you value work-life balance up until this line. The line, the edge defines what you really stand for, right? I care about the environment up until the point I have to spend thousand dollars to buy a recycling machine, I guess, and I'm making these things up. Does it mean I don't care about the environment? No. It just means that there's a limit to which I will care. If you suddenly say everything is twice the price because you have to pay a tax to reduce carbon emissions, maybe that's too much for me, and again, I'm making numbers up. I might care about that thing, but there's a limit, and the limit defines the thing. And when you establish the limit and you can tell stories about the limit, you can tell stories that get people up to the limit like the Nordstrom thing does, you're really saying this is what this company is all about. And that's exactly what it takes to remove uncertainty, to kill the uncertainty. Candidates are faced with uncertainty in this entire process. Who is this company? Who is the boss? Who is the recruiter? What are the processes? What are the unspoken rules? What am I getting myself into, right? You're never going to completely remove it, but the better you can remove uncertainty, the better your recruiting game's going to be, simply put. All right, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Gotta go. Bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast.